You're listening to Fresh Take a Movie Podcast. We're digging up unwanted subjective opinions on film. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you said I a word. I like I said that we. <laughs> can we do that? Yeah. Okay. From the, okay. Wait until 50. Wait, I thought you were going to go. <laughs> sorry. I am. You're listening to Fresh Take a Movie Podcast. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I can't do this okay. every week. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. How did you know all that stuff? I did my research. You're listening to Fresh Take a Movie Podcast. We're digging up unwanted, subjective opinions on film. I'm Mary-Kate Martin. And I'm Emily Murray. Let's chat. <laughs> what do you want to chat about, Mary-Kate? Um, first of all, breaking news... You know, I know our 12 loyal listeners will be interested in knowing Which we that all know Hans Zimmer. The globe. Across the globe, <laughs> we have listeners. Hans Zimmer has been freed. Yeah. I repeat, hashtag free Hans Zimmer has worked. It worked. I don't think He's I saw free. the hashtag anywhere, but it worked. <laughs> we did it. It was us. I it wasn't anyone else. It was the 12 of us. That you and me and our 12 listeners, well, that's 14, that's not 12, but whatever. No, yeah. we're probably counting ourselves when we listen to the podcast ourselves. <laughs> that we're already counted in the 12. <laughs> okay. Emily, myself, and our 10 listeners, we freed Hans Zimmer. There was a rec- recent announcement on Hans Zimmer's new movie, which is called Tenet, um, and one of the big things from that besides the cast the crew was that the composer of black panther which is ludwig Göransson, i think um he's going to be composing the music as opposed to christopher nolan's usual guy which is hans zimmer and his absence is not going unnoticed i've seen a lot of stuff about it online about yes that's literally the big comment what the fuck where's hans zimmer but the question is is hans zimmer free or is he just trapped is he being punished yeah, for some bad punished. work? <laughs> was Nolan unsatisfied with his work on Dunkirk? Or maybe he slipped him, like, the piece of paper he slipped under his door. He just didn't like it. Yeah, maybe he slipped him a piece of paper and all it said was, like, handkerchief. And Hans Zimmer was like, I can't fucking do this anymore. I'm done. I'm done. Let me out. Let me out. He's like, I will not write it. All in all, the movie does sound interesting. At first, I thought it was tenant, like an apartment tenant, like you live in a building or something, but it's tenet, which is apparently a word that means something. Oh, it's a principle or belief, especially one of the main principles of a religion or philosophy. Very interesting. Starring John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, Michael Caine, of course. That one didn't come as too much of a surprise. He's not being punished yet. That'll be. I think that'll be good because I I like everybody you've named so far. Mm-hmm. I'm liking Robert Pattinson's like his 2020 is gonna be good. Well, apparently the movie that he's in this year is supposedly really good. The Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Heard of it. I've, I've heard a lot of positive things about that. Yeah. So, and Willem Dafoe is in that too, and I love him too. So, Yeah, apparently they like beat a sequel to death. It's a Twitter hot take I read. I'm here for you know. it. Okay. All right. 
<laughs> you know, it's it's art. Yeah. Only what name, what, is, what does the seagull resemble? Mm-hmm. Well, really. we're going to find out. We will. Next up, let's chat about a new release, Booksmart, which Emily and I both saw in our separate locations. Yeah. Emily, I'd love to hear your feedback. Well, first I want to mention that Mary Kay asked me to see two movies this weekend. Or she saw two movies this weekend, so I was like, I'm going to see both movies this weekend. Three movies. Oh, Mary Kay saw three movies this weekend. I saw, I saw three which, movies this weekend. One of which was an absolute no-go for me. I was... And usually I'll see anything, but I had no interest in Detective Pikachu, so that was out It was door. okay. It, it was okay. It had its moments. So the other two was Booksmart, which I was already on my list. I was going to see it anyway, and I wanted to see it this weekend because um, I wanted my money to go towards this weekend for Booksmart. Same. Same. Um, second movie was Aladdin, and I had full intentions of seeing it up until two minutes before when I just decided I couldn't do it, and I canceled my <laughs> ticket. Because I hate live action movies, and I just, I looked at the thing, and it was like... We don't hate live action movies. Oh, no, live action Disney movies. Like, Disney. Sorry, Mm. that makes it sound like I only love anime movies. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird. But um, I, I, like, was looking on the app, and it was, like, two hours and nine minutes, and I was like, I'm out. I can't, I can't do it. I literally only saw it for two reasons. One, so we could talk about it. So I screwed this up. (laughs) It's okay. And two, because it was at 9.45 in the morning. I like to get my movies started early so I can finish them at a reasonable time. I thought I was square, but... <laughs> no, I'm I'm cool. I'm, I'm kidding, Ricky. I'm cool. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, so what were your thoughts on Booksmart? <laughs> oh, I really liked it. Like, a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Me too. I didn't think it was as... I didn't think, you know, I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but it wasn't, like, hilarious to me. Like, there were I wasn't, parts of it that were really funny. Yeah, but I wasn't constantly, like, laughing out loud. I thought it was more bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Like, and those were the better parts of it. Yeah. Um, well, but I, I, I did, like the, I... It's, it's a coming-of-age movie, essentially, yeah. so... I really did like it. Like, I really liked it, but I, I was going in expecting to be, like, laughing all the time because there's so many comparisons to super bad which i haven't seen but from what i understand is just like laugh 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 yeah. but this one i thought was more subtle i think i was laughing for a lot of it until like the third act of it like mm-hmm. the, the end it was very fast paced mm-hmm. there wasn't too much plot i thought it was very light well it's one of those movies that's like one night which is what super bad is too yeah it's, it's just one night so mm-hmm which are like tr- I think are tricky to do, but I think they did it really well. Me too. I thought Olivia Wilde's directing; she had some really great artistic touches mm-hmm. with like flares and like choices in the scenes, and I really enjoyed it. Did you know that um, the two main, like Beanie and I don't know the other girl's name, but they lived together. Caitlin, while- I think it's Caitlin. They lived together while they filmed. Yeah, yeah, movie. I think you told me that a while ago. So I they could become friends. I think I would compare it more... See, I don't know, like, I've heard a lot of comparisons have been made to Lady Bird, but I wonder if it's just because... Because Beanie's in it's, it. That, and it's a female-driven movie directed by a lady. Yeah, that too. What would you say was better, Lady Bird or Booksmart? I think I like... It's different, because yeah. Lady Bird wasn't ever intended to be... Like, I, it is funny, but it was not, like, made out to be, like, a comedy. A comedy. And it's different, like, because they... They touch on like two very different like relationships. Like I think Lady Bird is more a movie about her and her mom, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. more than it is about her. Because her and Beanie are, like, they get in, like, one little fight and, like, that's it, whatever. So yeah, and it's this, not really the focus. Yeah, this movie's about, like, you and your best friend. So I think that it's hard to compare the two, even though they're both girl-centered movies. I wouldn't. I... But I think I liked Booksmart better. But you love Lady Bird. I think Bird. I liked Lady Bird better, but... Yeah. Like, I just thought that was a... It was that a makes clearer sense, film. Both of, those are both of our preferences, honestly. Yeah. It, it just describes us as yeah. people. Because <laughs> Booksmart was Do more, you think... like, out there. Like, there's more... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's a stop-motion scene. That was so funny. I really liked that, yeah. though. I loved it. There was, like... When they're, like, walking out of the room, like... Like, and they're all like twitching that was so funny I liked that whole bit in like the theater party that was my favorite part oh like, yeah the, it was like the dramatic murder mystery graduation party yeah. I was like yes well what I liked about this movie too is there was um, there's a lot of it's a big cast like there's lots of characters mm-hmm. and I felt like each one was like pretty developed like you I don't know like they they were all really strong. Like even like the like the nemesis girl A team. Like you still kind of liked her. A triple A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone. No one was ever like bad. Yeah. They were just they were just people, you know. Yeah. In the I end. listened to a um an interview with Olivia Wilde about the movie, and she, mm-hmm. they were talking about how like all the, like, the stereotypes were there, for like the different mm-hmm. stu- type of students. But, like, by the end of the movie, they're all, like, broken down and they're all, like, just the same. Like, everyone's... No... Even at the beginning of the movie, no one is, like... Um, just because they're smart doesn't mean that they, like, aren't friends with the other kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's... There wasn't... No exactly. one was better. There wasn't really a hierarchy, like, in other high school movies. Like, they're all the same. Which I thought was cool because that's kind of really how it is, I think. Yeah, it's more realistic. I almost... Maybe my thing was, like, why wasn't Sersha in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she would have done. I don't. I think just love her so thing, much. I know. You no, do, I think she's trying to probably trying to get away from teen movies. Yeah, it's funny because all these like teen actors in this movie, they're all like twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, like, they always are. They always are. I know. Well, what did you think of that one bit with the teacher and the student? Yeah, I, that was the only part that was like a little questionable to me. Yeah. Yeah. But. At the same time, it didn't really take me out of it, if that makes sense. Like, okay, yeah. Like I, it, it, it was weird, but also it's like not. I don't know. Cause like through all the loopholes, like it's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> everything checks out, but at the same time, you're like, eh. yeah. It's not. It it's not the worst. And it's I really just liked not her the as best. A, I really liked her as a character, too, like, up until that point. Like, when she was like, oh, no, you saved me from another rewatch of Gilmore Girls. I was like, damn it, that's me. <laughs> I was like, that's all of us. Um, I think I like this movie a lot, too, because uh, it reminded me of myself in high school a little bit. Okay. Because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go to parties. Did you go to Yale? I didn't go to Yale, but I only did school. <laughs> So. Yeah, same. Yeah, this is just another teen movie where everyone goes to a party, but I never even knew there were parties. So I do remember one time in middle school, after one of the dances, we watched a home video of someone's party in class. 
Whoa. And it was the most boring thing. I don't know why we I don't know why we did that. Like who was yeah, in charge? <laughs> whose party it was. But I just remember I was like, what the fuck are we doing? So yeah. Good movie though. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I could see it on my um my top ten for the end of the year, which we'll make a podcast Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that's a big thing for you. Top the ten. The top ten. I know. My list is really slim this year so far. Like I hope it picks up. It's been a it's been a bit slow. Yeah. But we've got blockbusters coming out. We've got Toy Story Four coming up soon. The Lion the King remake. Blockbusters usually are on <laughs> top ten. Hey, they were for me. I liked. I, I like. I had like. I had like two, one or two on mine. Top ten. Hmm. A Star Is Born was kind of a blockbuster. It made a lot of money. Yeah. And Black Panther. Spider Verse. And Black Panther. Yeah. Oh, Spider Verse is so good. Anyway, should we talk the about Indiana Aladdin? Netflix. Would you like to hear Netflix. my thoughts? Oh, yes, yes. I know. I'm excited. Everyone should watch Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse coming soon to Netflix. It's definitely mm-hmm. one of the best movies of last year. Possibly one of the best Spider-Man movies of all time. Oh. Possibly one of the best superhero movies of all time. Indubitably. <laughs> In- indubitably. <laughs> Do you want to hear my thoughts on Aladdin? Yes. Unnecessary. See, this is why I didn't see it. <laughs> I was I was like, okay. I was neither entertained nor bored. It you, was just a You were not entertained. What? I was but it was just like I felt nothing. It was like watching nothing for two hours and a half. So I'm glad I didn't see it. It was it was just it was like at least with some of the other live actions they've kind of added something but this one just i mean there was one like they added a song for jasmine that i really liked but like the tone of it was so out of place in the movie like it sounded like this modern pop song as opposed to these more traditional musical theater songs um though there were some there were some good parts there were some good dance sequences the costumes were really nice um the singing was auto-tuned mm. too much. I didn't like that. Um, they were actually all played by people of color as opposed to voiced by white people. Okay. So that was definitely a Please step up. Please not disrespect Steve of Full House who does the voice of Aladdin. Is that true? <laughs> yes. He Yoinks. is an icon. Okay. And I didn't think they had a framing device to the film that's different than it was in the original, which I didn't mind. And I liked that Will Smith didn't, he really didn't do a Robin Williams impression. It wasn't, I still didn't think it was like great, but he did his own thing. He at least tried something different. Yeah, and that I can was one of my hesitations that. is I don't feel like anyone needs to play the genie. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's like disrespect on Robin Williams, but. I'm glad he did it. Like, I don't think he filled, like, those were big shoes to fill. And I think he was like, you know, I'm not even going to try. Because I think if he had, it would have been not as well received. But he, you know, he tried to do his own thing. I didn't necessarily like his thing. But I can respect that he did it. Do you know that there's, like, like, like three hours worth of footage of, um, or not, or maybe it's just recording, but it's, like, improv that robin williams did when they were recording 
the, the opening scene where he's just playing with like well there's like there's like excess like footage of stuff and disney like they can't it's like his family like doesn't want them to do anything with it but like they could make they could make like a full genie movie and is it that much yeah apparently there's like three hours worth of like improv and and we're never gonna see it why well, i heard some of it was inappropriate oh, i'm sure but i still want to see it like <laughs> get someone to animate it and i'll watch it <laughs> what's the issue like they always animate those um like sometimes for the new releases they animate bloopers yeah like I for the lion that. king they animated like sumo being tossed off the rock like mm-hmm. they could do it even if it was inappropriate yeah. Pe- pe- at this point, we're we're all adults here. It's For fine. sure. I've I told Mary Kate this, and I told myself this that I'm gonna allow myself to see one Disney live action film this year, and I have to save it for um, The Lion King. So. Which which music is conducted by Hans Zimmer? So I think it's gonna be it's at least it gonna sound good. I don't know. I assume it's I was a little worried. Be, the I think the last live action I saw was. Beauty and the Beast. Well, at least they... I don't know if they're adding new songs. I don't know if they're going to add... Take songs from the Broadway are. version, which are which are some really good ones, and I wouldn't mind that. But we'll see. As long as they kept the music the same, that was the only thing I was worried about. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Cool. Shall we dive into the movie? We were going to talk about yeah. Star Wars, but let's save that for another time. Okay. Wait, there was okay. one thing I was going to add. There was so, one I was going to add. Oh, oh, sorry. Um, I've read online that Disney... I don't know if we talked about this, but Disney is trying to find a way to add Deadpool into the MCU. Like, they're in discussion. I saw you it. tweeted that. Yeah. So I'm excited. Because I, I think was he, talking about this, like, weeks be, ago. He'd be really good. And, you know, in the comics, he has this relationship with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, they're friends, I think. So I think that'd be really cool if they added him to the third Spider-Man movie, like, was being yeah, speculated. So I, I'd like to see that. Yeah. He could even just cameo in any movie. I feel like they just pop him in there. Yeah. I ho- I kind of hope he gets his own movie, too. And, like, what they do is they add characters from MCU into his movie. Because then they can be kind of, like, off... Like, they can be... A little sweary. Yeah. Because I think if you pop, would be, him, in, pop him in Spider-Man, he's got to be PG. PG-13. But I don't know, like, his... Yeah, I guess you're right, because outside of his own movies, it, it would be interesting to see how they incorporated him into it. But I'm glad they're keeping him in. Did you see Deadpool 2? Yes. I didn't see that one. I only saw the first Not one. Not as good as the first one, but still really funny. Okay. All right. All right, now I'm ready to talk about the movie. All right, I'm very excited. This is one of my all-time faves. So today we're going to be talking about Spirited Away. Um, this will be our first animated movie, as well as our first kind of foreign foreign movie. You know, it's it was originally released in Japan in Japanese, but we'll be watching the English dubbed version. Um, it was released in Japan. Japan. <laughs> Sorry, released in Japan, July two thousand and one, and the English dubbed version was released in the United States in September two thousand and two. The director was Hayao Miyazaki. Um, he was considered to be the godfather, still is considered to be the godfather of Japanese animation, and is considered to be one of the greatest animators of all time, rivaling even that of one Walt Frederick Disney. I don't, I don't remember his middle his name. His middle name is not Frederick. <laughs> Elias. Walter 
<laughs> Frederick Disney. <laughs> so they're often <laughs> WFD. <laughs> so they're often we're going to talk a little bit because Disney really did have a big hand in bringing his movies over to America. There's a lot of comparisons, a lot of contrast to be made, but we'll delve into that a little bit more later. But first, before we dive in too much, I'm going to do some word association to see what you know about Are this movie. We're, we're playing a game. So I, I looked up some words that are commonly associated to Hayao Miyazaki's movies. I'm going to see if Emily recognizes any of them. Because I don't think you have any kind of knowledge about this movie at all, correct? No. You haven't seen a single image. I've seen images, yes. My, okay. my brother likes this movie. Okay. Um, that's basically my whole background of this movie. Is my brother really likes it. And it's it's a little out of my realm of movies like this Mm -hmm. is not something i would typically watch myself especially at home like in a theater i might watch it but in my own home is a different case all right so here's some words based on characters in his films but first of all is ghibli excuse me what that's the word is ghibli cool So Studio Ghibli is the name of Hayao Miyazaki's company. Okay. He partnered with another Japanese, a famous Japanese animator uh, whose name I can't think of right now. So they founded the studio in 1985, and he made his first movie in 1979. Um, so before the studio. But yeah, I was about to say some, some other words. <laughs> I said that backwards, but yeah. it, it adds up in the end. Uh, some other words. Totoro. Sounds familiar. Okay. Chibi Chu. Soot spray. Is that like a setting spray? <laughs> For my face. Gigi. Uh, Calcifer. Cat bus. <laughs> so this is kind of how I expected this was going to go. Um, have you been to the Japanese store at Epcot? Yes, I have. They have a whole section on Miyazaki movies. Really? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I never, he's one of, I never noticed. In Japan, he's basically, again, he's basically Walt Disney. All his movies are blockbusters to be enjoyed by the whole family. As opposed to here, they're more seen as art house films mm-hmm. when really they're intended for everyone, and they're, they're really great. So next time, I hope, the next time you're at Epcot, you take a little stroll, and you'll be like, oh, I know this now. So wait, what were the... And that was those- Word Association with Mary Kate Martin. All those words, are they going to mean something to me after I've watched the film? Um, only, actually zero of them. Okay. <laughs> since they're mostly based on other, his other movies, like famous characters from his other movies. But one of them you will see in this one. So, Hayao Miyazaki, pacifist, environmentalist, feminist. He's basically ahead of his time. I love feminists. He, all his movies... Exactly. Hashtag Miyazaki's a feminist. Most of his movies are centered around young women or girls. Um, and most of them have these very strong themes about growing up, um, the environment. Um, another favorite movie of his, of mine, was Anti-War, about why war is bad. Um, but this one, a big focus was environmentalism and consumerism okay. and why it's bad. Um, I'm going to break down the cast. This was um, this was a smaller cast in terms of 
like his other movies like another one that I really liked had Christian Bale as one of the voices but these ones are more voice actors than celebrities okay some of them you may recognize though because again this was brought to America by Disney so there's a little bit of Disney going on so let's dive in so first is Davi Chase who voices Chihiro she voiced um, we'll, we'll start with some the lesser known stuff she played a role in Donnie, Donnie Darko and she was Samara Morgan in The Ring. Oh, you, you've seen that movie? I haven't seen that movie. Yeah. Only once. So but. she was the young... I think she was the youngest sister. Okay. Um, but she's most well-known for voicing Lilo in Lilo and Stitch. No way. Yeah, way, oh, way. Anna well, it gets family. <laughs> We're, it's it's going to get better. It's going to get okay. better. Don't, don't hype me up too much. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Go relax, on. relax. Okay, it's Jason Marsden... Um, as the voice of Haku. Um, he starred in a mostly animated shows, Recess, Batman Show, Spider-Man, Scooby-Doo. He was Teddy B in Doc McStuffins, Felix Renton in Kim Possible, Adult Kovu in Lion King 2, and most famously, Max Goof in Everything. Wow. This guy has such a, <laughs> such a career. Can I tell you I saw just... Just off of this, I saw a tweet that said, um, Disney can never make a live-action Goofy movie because there is no one alive hot enough to play Max Goofy. <laughs> also, is that something we want to see? A live-action Goofy movie? Or, yeah. Or I would live rather action that than, the, any than of them. a live-action Dumbo. <laughs> I would be more into it. I mean, it. I'd, I'd be scared. Like, that's... It'd be horrifying. Yeah, how do, they like humanize a, how do they humanize a dog in the live action that doesn't make sense let's you know let's not go into that so okay, another voice was suzanne plechette who plays Yubaba. um she had a pretty varied career but nothing i'd heard of but something you may know was in lion king 2 she played zira who was the mom mm-hmm. have mom. you never seen lion king 2 um i don't really remember it i don't think i really saw it sorry um, i feel like you should watch it i just see lion king one and a half though i love that movie classic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, David Ogden Steers, Steers um, was on the TV show MASH, but he also did a lot of voice work for Disney. Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast. Pocahontas, he was Governor Ratcliffe slash Wiggins. I love that movie. He, he was the Archdeacon in The Hunchback. I love that he was, movie. He was Fenton Q. Harcourt in Atlantis. I don't love that movie as much. <laughs> and he also had a role in Lilo and Stitch. Stitch. He was Dr. Jumba Jukiba. Uh. I don't remember that. Not, not as impressed. <laughs> he was the, the the alien guy who makes Stitch, I think. Oh, the the blue the, one, the big guy. Yeah, the guy the who arc. at the beginning of the of the ride is like sending us on a, a mission to find Stitch. I've never ridden that ride. Well, you'll yes. never ride it now because it's closed. <laughs> <laughs> um. So last two voices. So we have Susan Egan who plays Lynn. Um. She was the original Belle on Broadway, but you that. might know her that. best. I was about to say that. <laughs> you I, might know her best. I have the soundtrack. <laughs> Let me finish. <laughs> you might know her best as Meg in Hercules. What? I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> no, I didn't actually know that part of it. I just knew she, oh, was, okay. she was Belle. Yes. Um, the last voice was John Ratzenberger. His character doesn't really have, have a name. He plays the assistant manager. So he was Pixar's good luck he's a, charm. He's voiced a character yeah. in every single Pixar movie. 
Wait, his shortest he... line was for Coco. He's he's still alive, right? Fun fact. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so when this film was released, and to this day, it was the highest grossing film in Japan at all time. And I want you to guess which film you think it beat. It's one it's one you know and love. One I know and Big love. Big blockbuster movie. Titanic? It beat out Titanic. It is? Mm-hmm. Wow. I just thought that was interesting. It was the number, Titanic had been the number one movie in the Japanese box office for many, many years. Um, and then Spirited Away came and blew it out of the water. Boom. And nothing has topped it since. I wanted to give you a rundown of the top ten movies in the Japanese box office of all time because it's kind of interesting. Okay. Um, so number one of all time is Spirited Away, followed by Titanic, followed by Frozen, um, the fourth one is called Your Name, which is an anime, a Japanese anime. Um, the fifth one is the first Harry Potter movie. Number six is Howl's Moving Castle, which is another Miyazaki movie I'd like to watch with you someday. Number seven is Princess Mononoke, another Miyazaki. Number eight is Bayside Shakedown 2, a live-action Japanese movie. Number nine is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. The second one. And number ten is Avatar. So, yeah. I knew They Avatar only liked the first the two list. in Japan. Yeah, eventually. It, it had to make its way up there. I was going to guess that there was an Avengers movie on there, but... Yeah, not. surprisingly, there's there's not. I know, yeah. Spirited Away is the number one movie. Though it didn't have as big of um, big as a box office turnout here, which we'll talk about in the after part. So here's a spoiler-free synopsis. Okay. During... Don't yawn. <laughs> I caught myself. <laughs> Good job. I'm talking here. Okay. <laughs> so rude. So during her... Zip it. During her family's move to the suburbs, a sullen 10-year-old girl wanders into a world ruled by gods, witches, and spirits and where humans are changed into beasts. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was the synopsis. I'm excited because I feel like you really know nothing about this. Yeah, I really this. don't. So it's you're really going to go in fresh with no... Because you have no prior... Like, what would you guess? If you were to guess what happens in this, based um, on what you a know. A girl wanders and people are turned into beasts. Okay, I just told you this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. That's good. Because this is... Uh, many people consider this his best film. And outside of even Japan, this is considered one of the best movies, animated movies of all time. Where do you uh, think... Um, what do you think is your top animated film of all time that you've ever seen? This movie? Well, it's tough because I really like this one. I think this is his best. Um, there's another one of his that I like called Howl's Moving Castle. And that one is, I think, my favorite of his. I don't think it's as good as this one, but I still mm-hmm. like it better. It's more, it's, I don't know, it's just more romantic, which I like. is kind of my thing. Um, but my, I mean, Lion King and Ratatouille on my top it's you know you can't i can't do a list it's like a tier it's lion king it's ratatouille it's house moving castle but they're all on the same level everything else is somewhere in the sub basement that's art (laughs) got it (laughs) so my experience with this movie it really didn't have a big run in theaters especially not in my small town of Carlisle, Pennsylvania. You know, we barely got big blockbusters. We would never get this kind of small... This movie that was marketed as a small art house movie. So 
when I was younger, we a lot of my movies that I watched were because we just picked them up on DVD, not because we had any knowledge about them. We just were like, this looks good. Let's buy it. And that's how I watched a lot of films. So this is one of those movies. I just texted my mom today and I asked, do you remember when we saw this? And she couldn't remember. And I can't remember. <laughs> so, but it was probably 2002, 2003. Wow. So, yeah. I love this movie. Um, so while we're watching, I want you to look for fun side characters. The underlying themes of the movie. Um, what are you doing? <laughs> I have to write down these things so I don't forget. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Start Just over. Let, let me know when you're ready. Okay. <clears throat> Side characters. Side characters. Underlying themes. Underlying themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, like the emotional heart of the movie. Emotional heart. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, heart. And quiet contemplative moments. Um, in... Japanese, those are called ma or emptiness. It's a quiet scene of inaction where a character might glance off into the distance or sit quietly. These are a common occurrence in Miyazaki's films. Um, he chatted with Robert e- Roger Ebert about it and he said, you know, it's important to allow the film just to breathe. It's one of his trademarks that you see in all his movies. Okay. All right, so you ready to watch? Are you excited? Yes. I am excited. I'm nervous because the my attention span at home mm-hmm. is hard to harness, but I'm going to try. I am nervous to see your reaction to this. I, I'm really not sure if you're going to like it or not. Yeah, because it, it is, I don't, like, I do like animated films, but usually they're pretty strict, like, Disney. M- maybe I like an occasional um, Wes Anderson movie, mm-hmm. but usually I'm pretty disney focused well this was produced by disney and i'll go into more details later but the english script was written by um a disney crew and it was overseen by john lasseter who was head of pixar at the time who i have complicated feelings about now yes yes he's obviously his creative judgment he's an asshole for sure Man, we're going to kind of dive into that afterwards, but he did have a big part in bringing this movie and Miyazaki's other movies over into America. But in the meantime, let's we'll chat about that afterwards, but this is basically a Disney movie. Okay. So kind of see it with that perspective. It's just like a, a C-list. No, it's not. It's A-list Disney. It, Disney movies wish they were as it's good like as these Disney, movies. It's like when, um, like when Sony makes a Marvel movie. Yes, it's the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse of... Sony. Sony, exactly. You, you get it. Okay. You, you're going to like it. All right. I hope. Fingers crossed. excited slash nervous to hear your thoughts your very first japanese film first animated film for fresh take let's hear it i did i did like it but it was hard for me to focus on 
in my own home, which okay. I'm not surprised by. That was something I predicted, but I did enjoy it for sure. It actually like there were parts that were like like lots of tension mm-hmm. for me. Like it was kind of stressful at points. <laughs> good, but, <laughs> but I did like it. Okay, good. Tell me like, a little I was mostly, bit. I was mostly stressed because like she didn't have shoes for a lot of it, and I was oh. like, I was like stressed for her feet. And I know it's an animated film, but like just logistically, I was like something's wrong here she needs her shoes i mean okay (laughs) uh any other parts you felt tension at that were actually important (laughs) i mean there were just lots of it that were i mean it was just like one thing after the next it's like a build-up of like things she had to like do you know Mm -hmm. and like that's like stressful i guess so as you can see and people who've seen this movie before it's very different than a traditional American, quote-unquote mm-hmm. American animated film, um, in that it's a little bit weirder, I would yeah, say. like I definitely, one of my notes says very trippy. Yeah, like, I, so, what are your thoughts kind of on that? Like, was it too weird for you? I don't think it ever, like, took me out of it, mm-hmm. but, um, it definitely was weird. And I, I like weird movies, so it was kind of it's kind of in here. I thought it was weird, but yeah. I guess like when I saw it when I was younger, it wasn't that weird to me. Because oh, you have a big imagination as a kid. And probably. and like when I watch it now, I'm like, I was one of my thoughts was, Emily's probably thinking this is pretty weird. Right now. I did think that yes, like like mostly like, oh another thing that stressed me out was when that lady kept turning into a bird. Oh, <laughs> and she would fold the thing. Yeah. Not a and fan. Would, no. <laughs> if if you don't know already, I hate birds and they scare me. Oh, I forgot about that. Sorry. So I, I should have warned like you. On stress level high. When yeah, I, there was a lot of birds. There was um, a lot of birds going on. You made a little note about the baby. Um, How do you... You thought the baby was kind of big? A little big? Yeah. Pretty big baby and, uh, and afraid of germs. Mm-hmm. And... Surprisingly me. nude. So. Yeah. And when he was like, I can't leave this room, I was like, wait, is this the movie Room? Like, <laughs> uh, just in case, that director was inspired by this film. Probably. And that's nothing I made up. All right, so let's dive in a little bit. I've got a lot of notes. So, but feel free to chime in at any time with your thoughts. Um, so based on my internet research, this movie was conceived from two different big points in Miyazaki's life. So the first was he was inspired by a bathhouse in his hometown. He thought it was a mysterious place. And okay. also, there's a scene you can see them go through that little door in the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, he saw a little door at his bathhouse next to one of the bathtubs, and he was always curious of what was going on. Like, who was going through that door? Who right. used that door? So he wrote little stories about it, and that kind of inspired this. Um, another thing was, every summer, the director spent his summer with family and family friends, which included a group of young girls, and he was unsatisfied with kind of the media they were partaking in, like a lot of magazines and TV. The big focus for young women was on boys and makeup and crushes. So he wanted to do something that showcased more... I don't know, like more real heroin. Not that there's anything wrong with boys or makeup and crushes, but something that's more, like, not that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like more internal, like how young women feel inside. 
gotcha. and he wa- and he wanted to create a character who they could look up to. So she's probably fourth or fifth grade. She's supposed to be ten or eleven. It's interesting because because at the end when she's like when I was a whatever I got lost in this river. She says when she was a kid, but isn't she still a kid? Yeah, she's still a kid. Yeah, she's like but in she, my youth or something. It's like very specific. Yeah, she. Um, I think she would have been. It's not specific in anything I've read, but she probably would have been like five or six, maybe even four, like a very young baby. I just feel like at ten years old, I wasn't being like when I was a child. When I was, I don't think she, I don't think she said when I was. She a, does. does. She, she? says something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's rewind. Anyway. Um, more fun facts about the film. Um, all his movies are created without scripts. So he starts from a basic story and he does all his work via storyboards. Um, and then he just lets the story organically and naturally progress. So he kind of says the story writes itself. He's just along for the ride. The English script, um, so it's not a direct translation of the original Japanese. Um, it was based on the two English directors. They would watch the movie, and they would try and sync up to the original mouth movements. So the mouth, I was wondering that, if the mouth movements were the same as the original or not. Mm-hmm. So one of the big things with his studio, Studio Ghibli, with U.S. distribution, he said... You know, you can market my films, but one of the big things is you can't make any cuts. Because one of his very first films was edited very heavily for U.S. audiences, and he was like, no, we're not yeah. doing that anymore. So what? how they voice, it's called ADR, I think. That might be made up. It's some kind of letter with an A. But basically, they would watch the movie, and since it was already pre-done, they had to kind of fit their lines to fit the... Um, fit the timing mm-hmm. correctly so that's how it was done but um he had final say on the english script so anything that happens there was like approved by him though there were some kind of changes between the japanese and the english version which we can dive into in a little bit um so the original storyboard for this movie um was three hours long wow i thought this was i thought this movie was actually a little too long as it was mm-hmm. It's actually, well, we'll get into, I'll get into that, I'll get into that. But eventually he cut it down to two hours. Um, he, Miyazaki wanted the lead character to not be a traditional pretty girl, but was worried during production that she was too ugly. She just looks like a normal person. Yeah, yeah. At the end, she was, he was relieved. So he's like, yeah. okay, good, she's fine. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the Studio Ghibli Disney Partnership. It's, I don't, you know, I've done a lot of reading on it, so I'm not sure. I can't 100% confirm this is 100% all correct. But we're just, I'm going to tell it to you anyway, and it's going to be great. So, I'll accept it as fact. <laughs> so the big, I know John Lasseter, garbage human being. Makes good movies, though. He, he was a big um, he was basically the reason these movies came to the U.S. in such, in like a respectful way towards the originals as opposed to like cutting and changing it, kind of making its own thing. So he was the top Pixar animator producer at this time. Um, he would actually watch Miyazaki's movies for inspiration when storyboarding early Pixar movies. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the executive producer of almost all of Miyazaki's films for the English um, version and he mm-hmm. was the creative consultant and producer for all the English scripts. Okay. 
um, which would be seven that were dubbed wow. here. The last one was in 2009. Um, and they were friends in real life. Before he would watch his movies for inspiration? Or no, like so after? that was, it was before they were friends. Like, right. right at the beginning of Pixar, and then they slowly got to know each other, and I think it kind of... Everything kind of comes together with Spirited Away. Though there were previous Disney releases of other Miyazaki films in the, in the late 90s. Um, so, I don't know if you noticed the lamp that's jumping. Oh, no, I didn't. Um, so, when they go to Zaniba's house, and the lamp comes up to them and is leading them, that's a direct... Yeah. Allegedly, that's supposed to be a little homage to Pixar. And John Lasseter's, like, help. Um, and that's that. So the problem, a big thing with this, though, is that there wasn't a lot of, where did it go, where did it go? There's not, there wasn't a lot of advertising for the film. So, you know, Disney acquired the rights for it, but they didn't have the marketing rights. No, I mean, like, they had the merchandising rights, not the merchandising rights. So... And this is kind of speculation, but I think Disney thought because they couldn't create, you know, because a, a big part of Disney's budget is from the toys and the tie-in yeah. and the books. So I'll, And, like, getting it into the parks. Yeah, and, so I yeah. suspect a big part of this movie's, like, lack of promotion was because Disney knew they weren't going to make money out of it. They weren't yeah. going to make money later on with the plushies and the Happy Meal toys. Yeah. So they kind of, like, push it to the side. It had very minimal marketing. I guess on, you know, I can't see it now, but on Disney's website when this movie was being released, it just had like a little tiny picture. There wasn't really any advertising. Um, it released very smallly in theaters, just like local. And it played as a very art house niche film as opposed to like a fun kids movie that everyone can enjoy. Which is kind of interesting now because when it came to finding a way to watch this movie... <laughs> It was surprisingly. It's still it's difficult to It's extremely say. difficult. It's not streaming anywhere, and I had to buy the DVD at Target. <laughs> I will say, though, it is accessible, not in terms of streaming, but in terms of purchasing. It It's in every store. Like, yeah. it's not... They're not... They're considered, again, art house films, but they're not... They're not really. I mean, they are artsy. They're artistic, but they you can find them at Target. You can find them at Best Buy find them at walmart like just they're not, not streaming anywhere just not streaming which a lot of that has to do with disney doesn't own the rights anymore it's another company oh. and it, they play in theaters now hmm. so i wonder you know every month they play a different one of his movies so i was going to suggest if you liked this one we could pursue the other ones as well Interesting. as they play in theaters though we just missed my favorite which is house moving castle okay so you that in the first half of the podcast i know i am a big fan so, this movie won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. You can see that. What, that was. Do you know what it was against? I do. Let, let me. Uh, let me get there. I, okay. I, I, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So, it was the only hand-drawn film to ever win, which kind of shocked me because I was like, ever? "Oh, that that can't be true, right?" But yeah. if you if you look through everything, it's all computer animated movies or it's claymation. Interesting. Mm hmm. So at that time, this was only the second year for the best animated feature. That. I was going to ask if it was a. See? Great minds. On. Great yeah. minds. Mm -hmm. The first ever winner was Shrek, fun fact. Um, so this was the second year for best animated feature. There's still a lot of turmoil around that category to this day, mm -hmm. especially with 
a few years later when Wally would come up. And, you know, everyone was like, why wasn't this nominated for Best Picture? This is on everyone's top ten list. Like, this is the best film of the year. So a lot of people don't treat the animated film category seriously, mm-hmm. which is an issue because, like, animated movies still aren't taken seriously to this day, even though time and time again they're on people's top lists. You know, they're always top ten. So With Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It, I was about to mention that that was actually the closest thing to a traditional hand-drawn movie, though a lot of, more of that is computer animation. Yeah. So, but before that, Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture in 1991, and that was really the only time an animated film had been honored with in an Best official category. Oscar. Yes, because yeah. um, they'd been honored in, like, song, mm-hmm. music, and whatnot, but anything that was, like, big. Wasn't Toy Snow Story White. Three nominated? Yes, but this is that's picture. after. That's okay. after. So that's uh, once the big com- controversy. This film kind of started a little bit, but then the big controversy was over Wally. Oh, I remember why it's interesting. So Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture back when it was a five category, a five mm-hmm. film category. Now that it's a ten film category, it's not that special. It's, it's still. It's, it's still I think it's still is, a little but like bit if special. Toy Story Three is nominated, like it, it's not like. That was a good movie, though. Yeah. So, so it beat out other four other nominees: Ice Age, Lilo and Stitch, Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, Whoa, and, Tre- and Treasure Planet. I used to love Spirit. I used to watch that like every we day. We talked about that movie yesterday. I know. And then also, <laughs> Lilo is in this movie. I know. It's it's crazy. What everything for her. Everything ties in, right? She she had such a good time. So yeah, again, this is the only hand drawn movie. This is the longest run time to win Best Animated Feature, and it's the only non English language film to ever win. Interesting. Hmm. So he did not. Miyazaki did not attend the Oscars. He's been nominated. This was his only win. I think he's had four, three or four other nominations. Uh, but he did not attend the Oscars because he was opposed to America's invasion of Iraq. And actually, a, f- a film that followed this one, which was House Moving Castle, it kind of was a direct response to his frustration with, frustration with that. Really? hmm So, The River Spirit is based on a real oh, life... Who? No, no, no. The first one, the old one. Oh, oh okay. What did you call him? I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Did you see Maraku? No, ha. Huh. Haku, Haku. So the river spirit is based on a real-life incident where Miyazaki participated in the cleaning of a river and dug up many things, including a bicycle. Hmm. The actress who played her mom in the original Japanese version read her eating lines while eating a piece of fried chicken. The American voiceover actress used an apple. Hmm. Not as fun. Yeah, no. Uh, John Ratzenberger improvised the little song he sings uh, when he's bouncing up and down to get No Face to, to like get him to get money. That was all improvised. Uh, the star candies, the little suit spirits eat, those are real. They're called Competo. Were they real before the movie or real because they're, of the movie? They're real before the movie. Okay. Um, so this movie went pretty far over schedule. From what I can see, it it was made over a year and a half, but over 50% of it was taken care of in those last six months. Time crunches. Yeah, they really sure. bring out the best in everyone. So I was watching like a documentary uh, when 
the f- when they were done with um, every scene, the animating of it, Miyazaki cooked everyone a meal to celebrate. Every scene? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of meals. No, not after every scene, when they were all done. Oh, like, oh, with all like, the scenes. <laughs> with, all, like, with all the scenes. I understand now. But there's photos of them. It's, he made, like, this ramen dish with egg. It looked really Ooh, good. It looked really so good. Um, so part of him, you know, he really... He's described amongst other directors, like, this is really his singular vision because he writes it, he directs it, he storyboards it, and he's just so hands-on with the process. It's really his. Like, it's not it's not so much with other movies where someone directs, someone writes, yeah. and it's like you get a little bit of everyone. This is really his vision for things. I respect that. Yeah. It's pretty neat. And But he's... From what I understand from these little clips, and most of them are in Japanese, and I don't think the subtitles were that well translated, but he's very collaborative with the other animators. He never tells anyone what to do. He's not patronizing. He prefers to give, or he doesn't give instructions. He prefers to, like, um, consult. Okay. And that's part of the process. Um, Everything in this film is hand-drawn. The backgrounds and all the characters were done by hand. And there was very small amount of computer animation. Like, very, very small. There were two, like, animated things that, like, stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Or, like, scenes. When her and that, um... Say his name? Haku? Haku. When they're, like, running through the flowers. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. And then when she gets on the train and her, like... Her... What's it called? Profile is on the window in the back. Oh, Yeah. That looks really cool. I think the train scene is one of my favorites because it's like it's very contemplative. Nothing's really happening, but there's still a lot of like emotion and tension mm-hmm. to the scene. Well, I feel like a lot of that is brought out because of the music. There's like constant music throughout the whole thing, essentially. Yeah. So even in those quiet moments, and it's like loud. Like you're there. They want you to feel the music. <laughs> they want you to know it. Did you like the music? Yeah, I did. It's just different than like a normal. I mean, really any movie. That's true. That. The way that the music is. He uses the same composer. Um, the composer's name is Joe Hishashi. He's, I'm going to say it wrong, but it's like Joe Hishashi. Okay. Um, they've been like partners in all his movies. And it's like, you, it sounds so simple. Like it sounds like it's just a piano and like some chimes. But then there's a lot of depth to it. Depth to it at the same time. So fun fact, translation, you baba. Loosely translate to bathhouse granny or bathhouse witch. Uh, Zaniba translates to money granny slash witch. And Kamaji loosely translates to boiler granddad or boiler man. DreamWorks also made a bid for the U.S. adaption. Interesting. DreamWorks was like pretty new at that point. Mm. Well, tying back to the animated best animated feature category at the Oscars... Um, that category really came about after Disney had more competitors mm-hmm. because they didn't want to create this category and Disney would just win all the time. Okay, I lied. DreamWorks was 1994. Still pretty new. It's just no one really... I think they really became big. I don't know. Shrek, I think, came first for them in terms of big movies. Um, I would like to say that... My favorite animated film, The Prince of Egypt, came before Shrek, so. By DreamWorks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that one. But that was before the 
Best animated feature category was around, so it didn't know, get any recognition. Such a good movie. Okay, I feel like I skipped something. Okay, so let's dive in a little bit to the themes. A lot of themes going on in this movie. Did you have tell something me. to say? Tell me about them. Okay. Wait, actually, I do you want to say something before we get into the themes? Um, the girl who does the voice of Meg and also is in this movie mm-hmm. has like the perfect animated voice for like just general sassy characters. She really does. It's like general sassy, but then at the end you like her. <laughs> exactly. It's basically the same as Meg, but she can do something with her voice where it kind of like growls a little bit. She's yeah. like, if you hurt her, you're in big trouble and like that. Yeah. And I just like, it's perfect. It's yeah. perfect. Did you have any other notes you wanted to share? Like your thoughts on the film? Or do you want to save those for the end? Um, let me see. You'd asked me to like look at a couple things. Like I was gonna say those silent moments. Like they, I think they really work because of the music. Mm-hmm. Because they're like intense. The music is intense. I guess they're not really that silent. But I, the big yeah. feeling is not that they're silent per se. Is that there's no action and that they're more contemplative. Yeah. Um. That's all I can think of right now. So you go on. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I like the last line of the movie. She was like, I think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> so there's some there's some stuff to unpack with that, but we'll okay. get into that in a second. So um, this movie was heavily inspired by the Shinto religion. Um, so in that religion, there's something called, again, these words may be being butchered by me. I did not research how to pronounce I researched how to pronounce them and I made little notes, but they might be wrong because it's all from the internet. So bear with me. Um, so... Kami are the name of the spirits phenomenon that are worshipped in the religion of Shinto. For example, elements of the landscape, forces of nature, as shown in the movie Haku, the river spirit, uh, the radish god, there's the other river spirit, then there's all the little little creatures, there's the ghosts. So like everything that is alive can have a spirit in that religion. Um, so the theme, there's a the theme of her not looking back. Like, when she's leaving, she can't look back. Um, So that could be an homage to the Shinto myth of Izanaki and Izanami escaping from the underworld of death, which is very similar to the Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, where he went down to save his lover from the underworld, and he went to bring her back up to the surface. But the deal he made, I believe, with Hades was that he couldn't look back to see if she was behind him. And he did, and then they were both, like, fucked. Wow, that's a that's like a direct reference to Hercules, which is also <laughs> Meg. Ties in. So he can't look behind him in Hercules? I don't remember. I don't know. I th- but he does go down there to save her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this one's like very specifically like, he, he can't look Yeah, and he does. They always do. So the little house is at the beginning where the spirit supposedly dwell that's oh, yeah. based on a real thing. Um, and the stone statue that they see, the the one that's covered in moss, kind of the, the chubby guy, that's a representation of a roadside Shinto deity who's a protector of travelers. Hmm. So some more themes to unpack. Capitalism, Western values, money is bad. Yubaba's act of taking Chihiro's name and replacing it with Sen. Um, if you can read the Japanese, I guess the way the name comes off, it changes her name... The, the writing of it means mon- it means 1000 like it means like money it's a monetary mm. amount so it's symbolic of capital 
capitalism's single-minded concerned with value. Um, and it kind of uh, reflects on, like, money's effect on traditional Japanese culture. So, like, for example, Yubaba's, the way she dresses and the way her apartments are more in traditional European style, as opposed to the people who are working in the bathhouse who are dressed very plainly and more traditionally, like, they're sleeping on those mats. Yeah. Um, the way they're dressed is more in terms of Japanese style. Uh, her parents are turned into pigs because yes. they're obsessed with wealth. He, they drive an Audi. He constantly mentions credit cards and cash. Yeah, yeah. Which is almost, um, that's an, another showing of how Western ideals are kind of encroaching into traditional Japanese values. Yeah, like when they go to the food place and he's like, well, like, we'll pay for it later. Like, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And you can see a bunch of trademarks on his car. Um, there's a famous, I think it's a Japanese department store, and there's also an Adidas bag in his car, and you can specifically see it says Adidas. Um, so this was kind of, with the pigs, this was his way of saying there was this big economic boom in Japan, and a lot of people became pigs, but then they stayed pigs instead of turning back. Like, there gets to a point where you become too pig-like, too obsessed with wealth, and you can't turn back. It reminded me of, like, um, Animal Farm. Okay. Because they all turn into pigs, don't they? <laughs> well, they, they, they were already pigs. No, they turn into pigs. Who turns into... Oh, no, them? no, oh, the pigs turn into humans, but they're, like, humanized. Mm. Right? I don't remember. <laughs> it's like the pigs start their own, like, government, but they're walking on two legs. Yeah, but they're not... They don't really turn into human humans. They're humanized. That's what I said. Yeah, they're just, like... Like, Goofy like is a humanized dog. <laughs> the pigs are humanized. Listen. All right. All right, I believe you. I believe you. Um, uh, no Face is a character that Miyazaki has said represents a quote-unquote modern Japan where people think money will buy happiness. So he's constantly trying to buy those around him. He also yeah. resembles a silkworm with the accordion-style belly, his voracious appetite. And you can see him at the end with Zaniba. She says, I've never seen anyone spin silk like that. Hmm. And so, and then he stays with her to spin silk. Yeah, yeah. And there's also the environmental themes, you know, don't pollute the environment, mm-hmm. you know, because these you'll hurt these spirits. There's also another reading. I don't know if this ties in with Shinto. I don't know too much about it. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. But with the train, the spirits on the train, that that's a kind of train to the next life or the underworld oh. or some kind of next thing. And that, like, the bathhouse in that town is kind of a waiting area of sorts uh, for spirits. So th- I thought that was an interesting kind yeah. of interpretation. It just, there's a lot to this movie. You know? a lot to unpack, for sure. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the difference between the Japanese and the English. So I haven't actually seen the Japanese version. So a lot of this is just what I read on the internet. Okay. Like everything else. So <laughs> so I won't dive too deeply because I don't want to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. But so the line in the English dub that you mentioned, which was, you know, I think I can handle it, that she says at the end, that actually isn't found in the original Japanese version, nor is there Weird. anything similar. So there's a pamphlet that was given out with an interview with Miyazaki when Spirit Away was released in Japan that said Chihiro doesn't actually recall the events of the film after she's kind of escaped them, but that doesn't mean she's forgotten 
She just doesn't recall. So, but then the English movie says, obviously, she remembers. Yeah. And the English dub was all approved by Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki in the end. So it can kind of be read different ways. Um, But Miyazaki is okay with different interpretations. He kind of encourages it. He's like, you know, I didn't want... If you're reading subtitles during the movie, that kind of takes away from it. Because you can't really... That was his thinking. He's like, I As don't want... I watch that movie with subtitles. You watch it with subtitles? I watch all movies with subtitles. That's probably for the best. But it helps, me, it helps me focus. But he didn't want people looking at the subtitles because he didn't want it to distract from the art. That's something also Steven Spielberg did with Schindler's List. And that he thought about having it all in German, but then he wanted really people to focus what was going on on screen as opposed to like hiding behind the subtitles. Yeah. So that's a little bit more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the opening of the film where they're entering the abandoned theme park, um, there's a lot of character, like Japanese characters, and mm-hmm. Chihiro has this sense of unease, like she knows something's wrong. So something that we don't the notice. they're like cool with it. Like, they're yeah, well, like, they're, they're fucking dumb. They're obviously, yeah. they got turned into pigs. They stress me out. Yeah. But, um, so a lot of the symbols um, that we wouldn't notice as American viewers, but like they would notice in Japan, is that some of them are backwards. Some of them are, like, flipped around. So it's supposed to kind of convey this sense of uneasiness. Like, the words are written in a way that they could kind of be interpreted two different ways. And you can read into a lot of the story just in that scene of, like, what's going to happen. Like, a lot of huh. foreshadowing is in those words. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. So um, another thing about Miyazaki's films and this one, there's no real antagonist. Like, you have Yubaba, who's not a great person, but everyone is kind of balanced. Right. So, and that's kind of an interesting thing that he explores. Really, the only evil was, you know, a love for money. But once people kind of put that aside, you know, no face, relax. You know, Yubaba found her son. Um, The environment, once they cleaned up the river, you know, he was free. He escaped. Uh, Yeah. And that's kind of all the notes I have. Um, I really thought this movie was going to end like a like a dream. Okay. Like, from the beginning, I thought it because the way her parents were, at, like, acting, I was like, this can't be, like, actually happening. And then it gave me, like, um, it's like an Alice in Wonderland, like, feel. Mm-hmm. Those are two things I took away from it. I think you can see, like, there's that moment where she's, she almost turns around to look back and then she doesn't her hair tie sparkles a little bit. And I think that's supposed to mean, like, you know, this wasn't real, this wasn't a dream. Here's the physical yeah. proof of what happened. Yeah. So, who were your favorite random background characters? Um, what's considered a background character? So, like, my... The ones I like. I like the little soot balls that bounce around. Okay. Uh, the radish god. Okay. And the chicken guys. They're just little chicks, and they've got, like, hats and stuff. Yeah. Those are my faves. I like the, the little frog. Yeah, the little frogs? Yeah. I like the little frog. Does does the Meg... I don't know her name. Is mm-hmm. she back... Is she considered... No, because she's, a, like, a main character. Yeah, but would she, would, would she be your favorite character? Yeah. Okay. Because she's a little standoffish. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but she has a good heart in the end. Yeah, Apparently, the end. she's supposed to... And this, I didn't even really bother writing this down because it's so unconfirmed, but how each kind of, like, character in the movie represents some kind of 
animal or a river or some kind of environment. And mm-hmm. she's, her character is apparently supposed to resemble a weasel. Hmm. But I didn't... I'm not sure if I... You don't see it. Do you see that? No. Okay, no. It's kind of dumb. Uh, what was your favorite scene? Um, when she realizes that the... That... Haku... What's his name? Haku. Haku. Haku was the... Was who saved... The spirit that saved her from the river. Mm-hmm. I liked that. And the tears were, like, flying up in the air. That was cool. Oh... When characters, this is just a random thing. You know when she's holding her breath to cross the bridge? Yeah. Do you hold your breath when characters? No. Okay. Do you do, you do that? Every time. The only I'm time like, I hold just my see. breath is when I'm going under a tunnel when I'm driving. <laughs> I don't know why. Were you surprised at all by anything in this film? I mean, I was immediately surprised when she came back and her parents were pigs. That, like, I was like, whoa. And then when that lady turned into a big bird, I was like... <laughs> what the fuck? My note says, old big head lady, a bird, WTF. Um, oh, my other two favorite characters are the little chunky mouse and the little, like, fly mm. bird. Yeah. I think they're really cute. Like, they have a lot of great background stuff, like... Oh, I would change my answer to the big baby. <laughs> the big... And the, the big baby. Big yeah. ass baby. Big ass baby. <laughs> So there are, like, a really, there's a lot of fun side characters, and all his movies are always populated by these kind of, kind of weird, random creatures. Mm -hmm. It's kind of his trademark. I liked it. Do you think you would watch his other films? Possibly, yeah. Okay. I'm glad that I've seen this, so I can at least say that I've seen it, if that makes sense. Would you consider it one of the greatest animated films of all time? It's definitely an accomplishment, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know that it's my cup of tea, mm-hmm. per se. Like, I wouldn't... Again, Prince of Egypt is my favorite animated <laughs> film of all time. It's I have a hard time comparing animated films, too, because I don't even like comparing that movie to Disney movies. Like, I think that there's, I don't know, lots of differences. Mm-hmm. Do you me. have any other notes to share? I don't think so. No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that's it for me. Any other closing thoughts? No. All right. I'm, I'm glad we watched this and did our first animated film. Me too. And I hope this means we can check out his other ones. Yeah. They do play in theaters. One of them's playing have this have month. I to see it, one in theaters because I think that I would. It'd be easier for me to focus and enjoy it. Yeah. Though, I saw Howl's Moving Castle last month in theaters, and it was just someone popped in a DVD. I'm almost 100% sure. Can they do that at the movie theater? It was just... It wasn't quite... How could you tell It didn't difference? fill the whole screen. Oh, what? I mean, it wasn't, like, as small as a TV, but there was, like, a pretty large black border. That's like, um... It's like someone had, like, just one of those, like, portable projectors you can get on Amazon. <laughs> It was they so, just put it in the front row. It was so weird. When I saw it, it sounded like like there were people talking at the beginning and they were showing all these different ads for things that related to like Japanese anime, manga, whatnot, like and like Miyazaki's other stuff. And there was like talking over all the ads. And I thought there was gonna be some kind of intro. Like this is like because it was um one of those fathom events, it's like a worldwide broadcast. And we whatnot. talk about fathom events so much on this podcast. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. Hashtag Fathom Events. Sponsor us. Uh, 
but but then but then nothing happened it was just a regular movie but i did see it um they play it once in english usually on sundays and then saturdays and wednesdays they'll play the japanese subtitle version Hmm. i've never seen that at disney springs so i don't know it's it's pretty low-key yeah like these movies still aren't advertised particularly but usually be on the app do you think on the AMC app? Yeah. I don't think it's, um, it's you can't get um, an A-list. But it, it would still show up on the movie times to yeah. buy a ticket. Maybe you're just looking, it's only for like three days yeah. out of each month. I had to keep my eye out for it. I'll, I'll let you know, because yeah. I'll be, I'll be going to them okay. here. Okay, okay, okay. Because I'm a big fan. All right, so that's it for Fresh Take, a movie pod. Next week we'll be talking about Chicago. Yeah, our schedule's all a little messed up. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. So tune in next week for Chicago. I've never seen that before, and that'll be Emily will kind of be in charge of that discussion. Yeah. And just to remind... What was that? Did you hear that noise? Yeah. (laughs) It's too early for fireworks. Are you sure? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe they dropped one? I'm scared. It's okay. It's okay. Just come here. You know what would make me feel better? If everyone subscribed to us on iTunes. That's such a great idea. Mm-hmm. Give Emily some peace of mind. Like, subscribe, review, Fresh Take Movie Podcast, iTunes, and Spotify. Yeah, and then if you want to follow us, go to Instagram and Twitter at Fresh Take Mauve Pod. And that's Move Fresh Pod. Take Mauve Pod, Move. sometimes Move. pronounced Move Pod. Move. Mauve Pod. Mauve Pod. Either way, tell all your friends Fresh Take MOV Pod. We out. Coming at you every Thursday. Oh yeah, we should start saying that. It comes out every Thursday. That's that's gonna be a thing. We don't know when on Thursdays. Yeah, because sometimes it depends on things. (laughs) But whatever. Tune in next week. We'll see you then. Bye.